Okay, happy Wednesday to you and happy July the 4th. Since we get to spend it together at camp, it's exciting, so happy July the 4th. Tonight's message is uh, sort of going to go with the, I think, of the explosiveness of fireworks and I think of all the the American uh, patriotism, the flags and all that. Look in this place, you got flags, but then it, uh, not only for us, July the 4th, who do we get our independence from? England or Great Britain, yes. So I think of Great Britain that we got our independence from, but I also think of the Olympics, and that's where uh, they're going to occur this year. The host is Great Britain. They're going to be in London. My son Andy's been there about three or four times. He uh, probably wishes he could go this year. They're celebrating uh, the Jubilee for the Queen. What Jubilee, Andy? It is the Diamond Jubilee. She's been in uh, power for a long time, and they're going to host the Olympics right there. And plus, they got Wimbledon going on, so it's a busy place. So tonight, you think of the Olympics, and they're going to occur in a few weeks, and those people's goal, a lot of times, from start to finish line, they hope they'll win, and therefore, we're going to talk, call tonight's message, Going for the Gold. And going for the gold is a thought of uh, most Olympians. They just want to win that gold medal. But I'm going to give it two little thoughts tonight, sticking them together. Yes, I want you to win and be a winner for Christ. But going for the gold is only part of my title. I'm thinking of it this way. Being refined to finish. Did you know for pure gold, they oftentimes have to take a big chunk of this, put it in the fire, and they heat it up, and they burn away the what? Impurities. And then they get pure gold. So I don't want you to just think of going for the gold and winning first place. I want you to be thinking of, I want to go for that gold level where God burns off the impurities. That's the sin in our lives and makes me more pure for Him. So i got to get rid of the things. We've talked about that before, throwing away the weights and things like that. This morning we watched a video clip of a man who ran. He was... The character in a movie made in 1981, Chariots of Fire, this runner that you happen to uh, watch the clip of today, he fell down, got back up, and took off running. Do you remember this guy's name? Eric Little. And Eric Little was a great Olympian. He ran in a race and did a good job in that. But Eric Little, the fact that he's Olympian is not why I like him so well. I like him because he was a powerful Christian too. So Eric Little in the video clip this morning just shows that how he went down, fell down, got back up and took off. So you remember his name was Eric Little. Not just a race though. This was uh, almost like a scrimmage. It wasn't quite the Olympics. But does that show you that Eric Little didn't even want to lose that race? He wanted to get back up. Some people say, oh, it's a scrimmage, I don't care. Some people even told him that later. Oh, it's just a race, don't worry about it. Eric took running pretty seriously, but he also took his God very seriously. So when Scotland ran against France, that's what you saw the clip of today. But I want you to, I'm going to show a little picture here. That's an Olympian for us. That was a guy named Greg Luganus, and he uh, won a few gold medals. You know, Eric Little was a great Olympian, won a gold medal of his own. But this guy right here, I just thought I would show you some more Olympians. The one at the left is winning the, what medal? The one at the left is winning the bronze. You can tell he's slightly the, the guy at the right is winning the silver. And then the guy in the middle is a gold medal champion. And if you win one gold medal, you're pretty good. This is what Greg Luganis's little itinerary or, or uh, his achievements list like. In 1976, he went to Montreal, which is where? 
Canada and he won a silver medal. In 1984, the Olympics were located in the United States and they were in Los Angeles, California. He won two gold medals there and in 1988, he again was in the Olympics, three different Olympics. This time the Olympics in 1988 were in... The flag's in here, I'm sure, somewhere. Let's see. Uh, oh, it's not in here. Seoul, Korea. <laughs> he won two gold medals in Seoul, Korea. So five times he medaled in three different Olympics. So Greg Luganius is a champion. And I'm going to show you one other picture right here. I think this is cool. This guy's a, a champion too. He did the opposite of Eric Little. In our film clip this morning, Eric Little was running fell down, got back up to take what place? First place. This guy right here finished dead last. Oh, so what's the big deal about him? In 1992, Barcelona, Spain was the place for the Olympics. This man's name is Derek Redmond. He's also a Great Britain. And he was pretty fast. And so when he wanted to run in this race, his race was the 400 meters. And he was pretty familiar with running one lap and getting a great time. He started having a little bit of trouble with the muscles in his legs. These are your quadriceps because there's four of them. This is your hamstring in the back. He was having a little bit of trouble, so he kept going through rehab, and he finally got pretty strong again, so he entered these Olympics. And he actually felt like, I'm totally healed. If you've ever had an injury, what you need to do, you need to work back until you get into good shape. A coach will say, are you ready to go today? I don't know, my arm's still hurting a little bit. Don't push it then. Just keep training, go through a little bit of rehab, and you'll be okay. Well, Derek Redman had went through some training, rehab, and finally said, I, I think I can do this today. And he'd been running, getting good and loose, so the time came for this. He got up to the line, and he's going to be like Derek Redman, as always been, a champion. He's going to win this race. Well, no, he didn't. It was disappointing. But how he finished makes him a champion in my book. He fell down like Eric Little. Eric Little jumped back up and ran in first place. Derek Redman didn't jump back up. Here's what the race was. He got up to the line. Runners to your mark, look up when you're ready. <laughs> Gun fires. Derek Redman takes off, and he's running that first curve, and he's smoking people, and he is moving. And on the back side of that, it's like, all right, this is starting to sear a little bit. Mm. And then all at once, he yells out in pain. I didn't want to do that. It would scare half of you, but uh, ah! grabs the back of his leg. His hamstring is not pulling. It's tearing. It's actually going to be torn in two. So he grabs the back of his leg, springs up off the other foot, goes down into the surface of the track, and there he's writhing in pain, and everybody passes him. Remember, they're Olympians. Half a second can separate three or four people. He's laying there. Everybody finishes, except for Derek Redman. And Derek Redman, writhing in pain, gets up and begins to hop as best he can. And through the crowd busts this big old strong burly chested guy with a t-shirt on that says, have you hugged your kid today? And with a hat on it says, just do it, Nike symbol. And this is Derek's daddy. And as Derek's daddy's trying to fight through the crowd, the security, uh, Andy and I were talking about this, normally you wouldn't even have got to that track. I mean, I've, I've played high school football before and you can't even get to airfield. You got people keeping you off. They'll keep the team away because, you know, if somebody wins, loses, whatever, sometimes the crowd gets sort of emotional. They'll go psycho on you. I mean, when they get through a high school football game, 
they will escort the officials quickly away. When you get through a college game, I've seen state police. they got a state policeman in Blacksburg. You know what his assignment is after the game? Get Frank Beamer off the field. That's his assignment. So he's got Coach Beamer about by the arm going through the crowd with him. It's almost like security, like the president would have. Now, if they've got that much security, what do you think it is for the... This is the World Olympics. So the security sees this guy coming through, and they're trying to slow him, and it's almost like this, and he's fighting people past. I've got to get to my son. They didn't really realize, in all fairness to him, that this was his son, but they finally they let him get through, and he comes on over, and he says, Derek, you don't have to do this. And Derek says, yes, I do. I've got to finish. Well, if you're going to finish, we'll do this together. And he wraps Derek's arm around his. He says, we'll do this. And he helps Derek go from about 200 meters to the last 200 meters. And when he finally limps, the crowd is now going like this. And they finally, it it starts off with a few and then everybody's there. Can you imagine being the gold medalist that day? What would you feel like right at this point? You're over there going... I won. And no one cares. Silver medalist. Bronze. We don't need you. But they're clapping for a loser. Or is he? So when he finishes that race, crowd just erupts and they're clapping for a guy that came in dead last. But they don't clap necessarily for the place he achieved. They're clapping for how he achieved that position. How he finished the race. Hmm. If he was going for the gold, did he get gold first place? No. But if he was going to be refined as if by fire, yeah, I think he made it. He proved that he, nothing was going to stop him. But here, don't, let, don't miss this little moral of the story. How did he finish the race? With the help of the what? The father. How are you going to finish this race? If you think you can do it on your own, you go back home, talk to mom or dad, teammates, classmates, whatever, and say, I can do this. If you don't have the help of the Father, you're going to fall and it's going to be tough getting back up. Well, I'll just be stubborn. Stubbornness doesn't get it after a while. God, really, it's the opposite. Stubbornness will not get you back up. Humbleness will. And when you just sink down and say, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up. Lift me up. And God loves it because He brings, He reduces the proud to almost like ashes, as they said, but He raises the humble up. He's just now raised his scalp, and this humble guy who's crossing the finish line is remembered how he finished. Derek Redmond had to have the help of the father. Now, I like Derek Redmond's story, but it's nothing like this guy who finishes. Do you remember what his name was this morning? This guy's name is Eric Little, but I'm going to brag on Eric Little. Better than Greg Luganis, better than Derek Redmond is this guy right here. Because, let me tell you what he did. Eric Little ran in a race. You say, I know. He got up this morning and kept on running. That wasn't the Olympics, but it was a race. And you say, I got it. He fell down, but he got back up. But not only in the field of competition, but in real life. Here's a little bit about this very, very strong Christian. Before he became an Olympian, his dad was a missionary. So you'd say he was a what? He's an MK. Yeah, he's a missionary kid. So he grows up knowing the Bible, learns Jesus Christ all about him, as Lindsay reminded us today. Knew about him, but didn't really know him totally. So finally, he accepts him as his Savior. So he's growing up as a missionary's kid in China, learning about Christ. As he grows up, not only as a missionary kid, he grows up with the morals after receiving Christ as his Savior. He becomes convicted, and he will not do certain things. In the movie Chariots of Fire, which was filmed in 1981, they show things in that movie, and sometimes Hollywood's not real accurate. they got several things in this movie that is really, really accurate. 
Matter of fact, when someone would offer him a drink, he says, I don't drink. You say, well, that's yourself. I don't smoke. I don't do that. But here's what they offered him one time. Would you run on Sunday? And, of course, the movie does sort of portray it like he found that out. I'm sure he knew it before the last moment. But they said, Eric Little, would you run on Sunday because that's your race. What was Eric Little's race, by the way? He was a sprinter. The 100 meters. Well, the time trials are the trials that were to get up the heats. Where to, Whoever gets the top one, two or three spots in the first heats there, they put them in the final ones. He would not run that race. That's what the movie's almost based on. This man said, well, I will not go against, I will not run on Sunday. Uh, translating that for you, it's sort of like this. You're working at a place and they say, uh, you're working at Cracker Barrel. Would you wait tables on Sunday? And you say what? No. Well, we'll fire you. Fire me. One of them weird Christians. No, I'm not. I'm just Christian that I want to follow Jesus and I don't feel peace about working on Sunday. That's you. What about, would you do? No, we can't do it. There are certain things I just will not do, and they're not necessarily crimes. I don't drink any. I'm not going to fuss at you if you got parents that, my dad likes to drink a little bit of wine with spaghetti. Fine. I just don't drink. Why? I can explain all that to you, but I'm just convicted not to. I'm just convicted. If somebody says, you can make a job, uh, make a million dollars driving a beer truck every year, I won't do it. Why? I just don't drive. I don't feel comfortable driving a beer truck. Okay. Eric Little says, I'm not comfortable with, it's like work. I will not run on Sunday. They almost picked on him for doing that. So Eric Little said, I will just run in another race. Now, remember that Great Britain that fell down, finished dead last, but we like Derek Redmond. What was Derek Redmond's race? The 400 meters. They're going to stick Eric Little in the 400 meters. He's going to run four times than what he usually does. People are like, you can't do that. You're used to running the 100. I'm going to run to 400. Why? Because it's not on Sunday. Just put me in that one and I'll race in there. After all, I am an Olympian. I'm going to come over here to one. And he's critic, criticized for that. People almost whispering. He said, he's not going to He's not going to win. He's a pitiful runner. I don't care how good he is. He's not this good. You can't change your event in the last moments, really, and stick yourself in another heat, stick yourself in another event. Well, we're going to find out if he's any good. Matter of fact, I got a clip from Chariots of Fire, and this strong, powerful Christian is going to run in a race and say, God, may you help me? It's not his usual race. It's not the hundred, but it's not on Sunday. And he says, I'll only honor you, God. I'm going to honor you, but I will not run on Sunday because that's honoring. I will only race in a race that is not on Sunday. So they say, why don't you run the 400 meters? His critics think, you're going to lose. Well, let's see if he loses. Here's Eric Little. In the Olympics. There's Eric's sister in the crowd. That's his brother. His family's come to watch him race. And Eric Little gets a little bit of encouragement. He used to go back home. I thought it was interesting that they showed his family because his brother and sister didn't really criticize him so much, but it was almost like if you really want to do God's will, if you want to find God's passion and presence and power, then just be a missionary. And Eric Little's response, if you condense it down, it was almost like, I will be. But I also feel His power and presence when I do what? When I run. He says, I feel God's pleasure. I actually feel that sometimes. I don't even like to think of teaching school. 
But when I step into this place, wow, that's why I'm uh, that's why I'm drawn to tears sometimes because God's presence is here. If you believe that, raise your hand. Man, we're in the presence of Almighty God. You say, well, I don't sense Him. Then ignore whatever's distracting you because He's here. It's like I'm holding up a canvas in front of you and it's Jesus on this and it's like, I don't see it. Then stop whatever it's in your mind, put it away and say, okay, I'm really concentrating because I'm going to lift up Jesus tonight and you'll see Him. Really? We do that and we'll feel His power and presence. So what do you do? Well, Eric Little, I think, epitomizes what my message really is. It's going for the gold, but when you go for the gold, you actually feel God's presence and pleasure. So when I get up here, when I get through, man, I just say, God, you were here tonight, and then I feel good, but you know who feels even better? God's up there with tears running down His face and saying, You've honored my son Jesus. See, if this is gold medal, there is nobody silver. There is nobody bronze. Only on the top level is Jesus Christ. And any time God says, look at my son, he's raised higher, we get a standing ovation for Jesus as he's up in front of us. That's called bringing glory to God. And it brings God pleasure. Eric Little says, when I come around that turn, my sister and my brother would probably think, Eric, when you get up and preach, you just do such a great job. He says, I know, because God's there. But when I, he loves it when I run. Because why? Because when I run, I just feel God's presence. And I know I'm bringing Him pleasure. And so I want to go for the gold. And He won the 400 meters, one He wasn't even really qualified for. But as He got through, guess where He went now? Okay, He starts making commercials and millions of dollars like today's athletes. No, you know what He did? He packed up His bags, went to China, became a missionary and died there. An Olympian in a forgotten place, in a remote place, but Jeff, when you get up and talk to people, anybody would want to introduce him says, here's a missionary, they probably think, yeah, great. A former Olympian gold medalist, oh, wow. Okay, now he's got some people's attention, so he uses some success that he's enjoyed to reach people. I like Eric Little's testimony. And if you watch that clip, I just think that's cool. When he throws his head back and takes off. By the way, I've tried to help some people uh, run better. I would probably say that's a no-no. I would not tell Eric Little that, if that's the way he just want to run. I always tell people, get your head down like this. When you throw your head up, you almost catch air. But they just said when Eric threw his head back, you knew it. That, if that would have been a car, guess what, he, what Gary just now went into? That's high. You know, it's like, oh, this is... If he's in front of you, you won't see him here in a second. If he's behind you, he's going to pass you. And it's just nothing you can do about it. He is now in the zone up here. He has just now went into high gear... And God's just going, pushing him up the track. I want to give you three simple things tonight. It's pretty easy, really. Feeling God's presence and pleasure. I want to go for the goal tonight. And here's what it's going to take. If you want to sense God's presence, you say, I think I can, yeah. More than just at camp, yeah. I want to sense Him every day in my life. Got three simple steps for you. And that's about it. Pretty simple message tonight. Would you look at Isaiah chapter 6? It's in the Old Testament. If you say, I don't know where Isaiah is, then you can just listen to me read. But Isaiah is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is in the Old Testament. There's 39 books in the Old. You can go back there and find it. It's pretty close to about the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because Isaiah is just over there in the last part of the Old Testament. Okay, ready? Isaiah. When an officer graduates from the United States Naval Academy... Or when a person graduates from West Point, that is where the Army graduates, they have a commissioning service and they 
receive the rank of what's the rank when you graduate from the Naval Academy? What do you think? Andy, what is it? Is it this? Is it first or second lieutenant? What do you all think? Everybody agree second? That's correct. So pretend like if you're second lieutenants, you stand up and you don't have to do that just now, but you would raise your hand and I would now swear you in and I'm going to commission you. I am going to commission you, give you a commission, and therefore you become committed to carrying out the service. Isaiah is going to be commissioned in this chapter right here. Watch this. It might have the title of Isaiah's commission in your Bible. If you haven't found it, don't worry. Just listen. Please listen. In the year that King Uzra died, I saw the Lord. So he's got a vision. It'd be like a dream. Do we ever have those anymore? I don't know. I have God put things on my heart. But I, I don't know that I've seen visions and dreams. Maybe he was just, this works this way with the Old Testament patriarchs. But Isaiah said he saw a vision. He saw a dream in front of him. He saw this happening. And here's what the dream was in the year that King Ezra died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and exalted. Gold medalist? Yep, he's high, way high. And the train of his robe filled the temple. If you don't wonder what a train is, that's the back part of his robe. It'd be like a bride walking down and her gown being way back. That's the train. Most of the time she'll have a bridesmaid carry that in. Well, here comes God and the train of his robe just fills the temple. I, I don't really think we've got a glimpse of who God is right there. And I don't know if I can paint it for you so much, but if you saw someone that was just so special, so spectacular, sometimes you would become speechless, as if the song says, when I see you one day, what's this song says? They said, I don't know whether I'm going to drop to my knees, at your knees will I bow, or will I'll be speechless. What's that song really? It says, do you remember this song? Will I be able to speak at all? Will I be able to what? Will I fall to my knees when I see you? I don't know. I have a feeling I would probably be more like speechless. So imagine this. I don't know if I can paint this or not. I think we take God for granted sometimes. All right, God is sin. Big deal. Almighty God's going to look down. I would be, I'm reverent to Him, but I would be fearful. If He would come in, I don't want to say a word. So Almighty God is just now in this vision has appeared. Isaiah is just like, Watch how he reacts and you can tell how his heart is. Wow. I hope you're listening. For you guys, please tune me in. Some of you are like, please listen to this. Because I'm going to tell you what your spiritual condition is. If Jesus Christ would walk in right now and he would appear right here, if some of you would go, I just now know what your heart is. How'd you do that? If you really, 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 you love Jesus Christ, you honor Him. He lives in your heart. Most of us will probably do what? Straight down onto the ground. Why? We realize how... What? We realize how holy He is and how what? Unworthy and unholy we are. But we're saved. Watch what Isaiah does. He must be a pretty spiritual man. Watch what he does. Here comes... Above him were... Seraphs, each with six wings. Two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they were calling, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Chris Tomlin steals his songs from Scripture. That's a pretty good place to get them. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook. 
and the temple was filled with smoke. And here's what Isaiah says, as the Scottish guy says. He says, woe is me. He instantly wants to just hide. I heard someone on my street about last week. I was talking to them. They give me their testimony. This uh, this wife of the David just lives up the street, and his wife was telling me something. And here's what she said. She said, I was sitting at a camp one time, and God spoke, and it was just like the more he spoke, the more I wanted to go into the floor because I realized how unworthy I was. And she said, I just almost felt like getting so low to say, God, why are you? I'm so sinful before you. That's a good way to be. So she asked God to forgive us, forgive her of her sins, cleanse her and come in and be her Savior. But if we realize that He is so holy and we just don't even deserve it, Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined or I am unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. Don't say it. But have you ever said a bad word? Come on. You must be liars too. Everybody in this room said a bad word. Some of you do it pretty often right now. You must have took cussing as a foreign language in school. I don't know whether you just think it's cool to say it, but if someone said, I never have understood this either. And, and I don't correct people, but there, it's just part of me. If, I, if somebody in my school says, Jesus Christ, I almost feel like, where? I knew he was coming back. I didn't know he was coming today. They'd probably think, what? I just said, well, you said Jesus. Why else would you say that? Why do they even say that? Because it's a disrespect to him. I saw a little track one time that says, God, God's last name is not Dan. You know, so quit saying it in that way. God's name is Holy. If someone would say a bad word or say Jesus, and Jesus was right there. Isaiah says, I've got unclean lips. I'm bound to have said something that's offensive to him. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people with unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, so therefore he's probably thinking, I've seen things, said things, done things that I shouldn't have. The Lord God Almighty is right in front of me. And here's what he, he just feels like he drops down and says, Woe is me, I'm unclean. And in his vision, here's what happens. I'm glad we don't have to do this, really. An angel went over and got a hot coal from a fire and come over and, watch this. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. So that fire that we've talked about just now, remember we talked about fire today and fire is sort of like the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit enters me, don't miss this, when the Holy Spirit enters me, I'm forgiven of sin. Well, I'm still a sinner, but now God looks at me and He sees Jesus through me, sees Jesus, sees me. I'm looked, I'm pure. This angel goes, Isaiah, you're clean. Now watch what he says. Your sin has been taken away. You've been, your sins have been atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, watch this, a little tricky question. God forgives Isaiah. And then he asks this, I need someone to go be a minister. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, what? Send me. When you really realize how forgiven you are and how saved you are, you can't sit still anymore. And if you say, I can't, then I'm going to tell you some news flashes. You ain't saved. I'm never burdened about anything. Well, it doesn't bother me when I sin. I'm going to guess that you don't, you're not saved. Because you can't sin. You'll be miserable when you do. You'll say, I'm so unclean. Ask forgiveness and get back up like Eric Little. Get back up. Keep on racing. And you might need like Derek Redman, the help of the Father, but you're going to get back up. But if you say, it doesn't bother me. Isaiah just like, I'm so unclean. You're forgiven. Then he says, who will I go send? 
Isaiah's answer. Here am I, send me, I'll volunteer. And then he said, well, then go tell the people. I want to show you something right here. It's molten gold right down there. When they have a chunk of gold and they heat it up so hot, fire, remember this morning, fire, it burns off the impurities and the purest is left. God gives me trials and tough things in my life to burn off the impurities and then I rise. He burned off the impurities. There goes the no form of unclean lips. So first of all, if you want God's presence, He will make you pure. When God shows up, sin leaves. Now, one more time. Maybe I should even make you say that. When God shows up, try that. When God shows up, sin leaves. Really? Sin can't stay in His presence. Wait a minute. Run that by me again. When God shows up, sin leaves. Holy Spirit goes in, sin goes out. I can't serve two masters. Will I ever sin again? No, it's a biblical concept. You will sin. Sorry, but you now have two natures. You have that Holy Spirit, the new nature, and it battles with the old one. But, but thanks be to God, you got that nature. Up until then, you only had the sinful nature. God enters, sin goes out. I've still got a sin nature, but you know what? If, the more I'm filled, I did this one time. I don't have it uh, with me this year, but would you just watch? I had this big pitcher, and I did this. I put in some, like, golf balls. And then I'd put in a few more things, and then we started filling sand, and pretty soon we fill them up. And every time I'd put in a golf ball, I'd say, this is what you might like to do, this is what you might like to do, this is it. And then I filled it up, and pretty soon what filled that up would be like on one ball you might paint sports. Well, if it was a bigger ball, that took up a lot of room. If it's a smaller one, maybe not too much. But I, I finally, when I poured the sand in, I said, this is sort of like God. And if you've got a lot of things taking up a lot of room, Holy Spirit has little room to control your life, doesn't he? But if you have a few things and that sand just really filled it up and you say, well, God must really be controlling this person's life. Hmm. I think Eric Little's life was filled with the Holy Spirit. sort of like a lot of sand in his big jar. He didn't let sports control him. You'll run on Sunday or you won't run. Then I won't run. Wow! Have some guts and stand up and do that sometimes. I was sitting in a class in college one time, Emory and Henry College sitting in the class, and the teacher was talking about something, and he just turned around, we were talking about off-the-wall subjects, and he said, you know, things are all right, you know, if somebody sleeps with this person, that person, or whatever, and he said this too, just threw this up first, probably trying to get a rise out of people, just making them mad or aggravated, and he said, you know, if you really want to be a, if someone wants to be gay, that's it, back in the end it was homosexual, he said, if you want to be that, that's it, and he asked around the room, he says, matter of fact, what do y'all think, what do you think, and somebody, yeah, 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 I got over to me, what do you think, and I went, well, the Bible says it's wrong. <laughs> Nobody in the room had said that yet. Everybody that said it was okay suddenly looked at me like, as if we don't like you anymore. That really breaks my heart. No, it didn't. I didn't say that at all. But Do you love me more than you love them? Absolutely. I'll stand for you, God. And I did. The next person in front of me says, you know what? I really don't think it's right. And now a couple of people, once you say it, somebody outside in the hall, several people said, I'm glad you said something. I just, I didn't want to because I would be embarrassed and I thought people would fuss at me. But you can pick that or anything else. If someone asks you to stand up right now and say, count on your faith, stand up and say, I'm saved. Some of you, God, I don't know if I can do that. You can't do that at a Bible camp? You think it's going to be easier when you go back to school? It's like we're at the Moser reunion. Stand up if you're a Moser. I don't know. Somebody might get mad. We're at the Moser reunion. If you don't think you're loved here, where are you going to stand up? Be like Virginia Tech football. They score a touchdown. 
Stand up, yeah! I can't, I'm afraid somebody might laugh. You're in a crowd of 80,000 people. Would somebody walk into University of Tennessee, Mary Knoxville, you're wearing orange? I don't anybody really ask me if I'm a fan. Why are you here? So Jesus Christ says, stand up and I want to count on you. I don't know if I can. Well, maybe one day you will. And Jesus keeps looking. So like the Marines, I'm looking for a few good men. He grabbed 12 of them and started using them to train them. You ever think they had persecutions? Oh, yeah. I'm unclean, Isaiah says. Then I'll make you pure. And Jesus moves in, sin goes away. Step number two, when God's presence moves in, you'll get some power. In Acts chapter 1, verses 8, Jesus is about to leave. If you want to have the last words said by Jesus in the New Testament, they're found right here. Jesus has died on a cross, paid for our sins, was buried on the third day, was raised again, and now here it is. It's sort of like, remember what I said a Navy officer is when he graduates? He is the second lieutenant. He's commissioned. Look at Acts. If you can't find it, don't worry, because if it takes you four minutes, I'm going to be past it by then. Just listen. Acts, it's, a brand, it's after the Gospels. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Watch what happens. Remember the Navy officer I said is commissioned? Isaiah was commissioned. Guess what Jesus is about to commission? His disciples. And Jesus didn't say, stand up, hold your hand up. He didn't do that at all. But Jesus is about to be taken up and go back to heaven. And I can imagine His disciples saying, are you going to leave us? Stand up. Okay, because my presence is going to come in and when presence goes in, sin goes out. When presence goes in, power comes in. I'm just scared the power will be gone. Watch what happens. Acts chapter 1. Jesus is about to leave. He appeared to His disciples of a period of about 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God, and on one occasion while He was eating with them, He gave them this command. He told them, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay right there because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and come down. See, here it is. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he goes up into a cloud hidden from their eyes. Who's that guy left in a fiery chariot? Elijah. And Elisha goes. And then it's almost like God says, okay, Elisha, get busy. Okay. Elijah performed seven miracles. Elisha performed 14 because he had asked him before. He says, God, just let this be my prayer. May a double portion of Elijah fall on me. Seems like it did. Well, these disciples watch Jesus go and they go, and the Holy Spirit sort of says, hey, y'all better get busy. Okay. I believe I can. I can do this. And power comes upon them. Third thing. Third thing. On certain days, when I feel sinful like Isaiah... I say, Jesus, please forgive me, and He forgives me. Holy Spirit takes over more room, and the sin sort of leaves. On certain days when I need God, this is going to be a tough meeting today with a parent. It might be a tough person that I need to sit down and talk with, but I need power, and He gives it to me. But on certain days, I just think, Lord, give me peace. This has been a weird day, a rough day, whatever. I just need peace. And here's what happens. Again, if you don't know where this is, I'll help you to find it. If you find the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, fourth gospel. Gospel of John, chapter 2. 
Jesus is about to be born. He is born. Then they bring Him into the temple. And they are going to dedicate Him at the temple. And here's what a person says at the temple. If you've never heard this, I ought to bless you. And I'm going to end up closing with this little thought about right through here. John chapter 2, 25. Go down to verse 25. John chapter 2, verse 25. Oh, sorry, not 25. John chapter 2, um, let me read this one. Oh, John chapter 1, excuse me, verse 20. Had y'all going there for a while. John chapter 1, let me just give you this, and I'll tell you a couple things he does. Don't worry, I'm going to give you a verse. John chapter 1, verse 29, read this, and I'm going to go to Matthew. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, if Jesus can take away the sins of the world, is there any other way to be forgiven? No. We cannot be forgiven just because we work at it or try to do our best. I cannot do my best and hope to get into heaven. Well, what do I need to do just before I leave this world? Well, you might want to know Jesus just before. You say, does that help me get into heaven? Sure. I want to go to Luke. Go to the Gospel of Luke. Notice I had John. I'm going to change Luke. should have been Luke up there. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Jesus has been born. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But there was an old man who's a priest. And here's what this man says. His constant prayer is this. I just want to see Jesus before I die. I would hope that would be the prayer of everybody in here. I just want you to see Jesus before you die. This old man says this in Luke chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, verse 29, verse 25, excuse me. His name was Simeon. He was a righteous man. He was devout. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. That means the peace of Israel. That means for Jesus to be born. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. See? If the Holy Spirit moves in, sin moves out. The Holy Spirit moves in, we get power. And you get peace. Watch what he has. Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, before Jesus was born. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When his parents, that is Jesus' parents, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. Stop there just for a second. Simeon took Jesus, hold him in his arms. That's cool. Took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. You can let me go. Why? For my eyes, look at the next line, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Lord, you can let me go now in peace. You can let me die, even though I'm an old man. You can let me die because I have now seen Jesus. I don't know how I can make it any easier, but this. This is my goal for you, for the camp. Before you leave, not this week, before you leave tonight, I wouldn't want you to leave unless you see Jesus. I can't make you see Him. Holy Spirit, unless He draws you, I can't. But if the Holy Spirit is drawing you and you're trying to resist, I don't know why you do that. This man right here, he says, 
I am now ready to die. It's a good thought. You've got to have Jesus before you die. Mm. I am now ready to, to go. You can dismiss me, God. I'm ready to go because I have peace. Now, if you've got God's presence and got God's power, I wonder right here, which one of those do you like or do you need a little bit more? God's presence. Now, if we go for the gold, that not only means that I want to try to win things, be first place for God, I also want to let God purify me going for the gold level. I want Him to purify me and burn off the impurities. I want Him to get rid of the sin. Isaiah said, oh, uh, I'd be in comparing it to our language, Lord, I'll just let a cuss word fly. I can't go into the temple. Land, the angel goes, okay. If I would have made you stop right out the door before it, I won't let you come in and I could be an x-ray angel of Jesus and said, you can't go in the temple until all your sins are forgiven. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you would have had to stay outside? Wow, didn't realize that. Moses comes over and says, hi, burning bush. God says, wait. What, did I do something? Now come over here. He left his sandals behind and started walking over, kneeling down. You think God is a holy God? God would be like this. God, give me a big hug. Hold it right there. It would be like your little brother. A fudge all over his face. You know, floor paint, glue. You know, maybe he cleaned out the litter box with his hands. I don't know. And he comes out, give me a big hug. Oh, you know, you'd probably run the other way. Jesus, give me a big hug. All that silk, filth, trash, and dirt all over you. Is that what you want me to do? Well, God, I'm unclean. Hold it right there. And God just turns on the hose of forgiveness and goes, washes you clean. He says, now I'll give you a big old hug. Is God really like that? Well, you tell me his own son's hanging on a cross dying. This is not Derek Redmond's dad It says, let me get through with my son. This is Father God looking down at the son and says, I can't look at that sin. I've got to turn. He turns the lights out on mankind, lets his son hang there on a cross. And God says, imagine an angel coming by and say, God, what's the matter? I can't look at my son anymore. He's filthy. <sighs> Jesus is filthy? Yeah, because he's got all of us hanging on him. And God says, can you imagine how that would feel? God almost saying, Jesus, you stink. you got the wretch and the filth and trash of mankind hanging on you, and Jesus does. Every sin that you'll ever commit, Jesus says, dump it on me, I'll pay for it. One of the best stories in the Bible, best stories in the Bible is when Jesus is hanging, he's got a thief right here and a thief right there. This is you and me tonight. This is this, this, is this story right here. Jesus is hanging, getting ready to die. And one thief says, If you're God, if, showing what? Doubt, disbelief. If you're God, save us. I didn't think. And the crowd doesn't believe. The Pharisees, religious leaders, don't believe. This thief doesn't believe. And this thief on this side, for whatever reason, says, in our language, quit insulting him. We, of course he didn't take his hand down to point, but he sure could have. <laughs> We're getting what we deserve. What did he just now admit? I'm a sinner. Quit railing on this man. He's righteous. He's perfect. He is who he says he is. He just now said, I believe this guy's God. He's got belief. Believing and receiving are two things. I believe he's God. I admit I'm a sinner. Watch this now. Classic. Quit fussing at Him. We're getting what we deserve. We're sinners. He's not. I believe He is the Son of God. 
Matter of fact, then he turns to Jesus, gets the gaze going and says, Remember me. What did he say in those two simple words? Remember me. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you can forgive me, that you can make me clean, and I want you to remember me because I think they're going to bury you in the ground, but you're going to come back, and when you do, don't forget me. And Jesus says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. How'd you like that assurance of salvation? In simple language, quit fussing at Jesus. He's God. I believe He is. Jesus, I believe You're God, and I believe You can forgive me for all my thievery. I am such a rotten, stinking sinner that they're going to kill me for my sin, and that's what I deserve. Would you forgive me? Yeah. You got it. Takes off the hand. High five. Puts it back. (laughs) And right there is you and me in this story. Lost sinner on his way to hell. Saved saint on his way to heaven. Watch what he has. This... Thief has been made pure. Yeah! I'm forgiven. First time all the sins are gone. I feel power. And he's got this because he's going to need it in about the next 10 to 20, 30 minutes. Because Jesus says, it is finished. Lightning. This thief goes scared of hell because he now realizes I'm going to die and go to hell. It's too late. This man over here, Smile on his face because he's got peace. Just waiting to get to heaven. Jesus, I'm sure counting on you to remember me like you said you would. And you can almost hear those voice, that voice say the words again. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He still hears it. I'm counting on it. And here comes these mean old cruel Romans and says, let's kill Jesus. Oh, he's, he's already died. But you two thieves, and they take this big old stick And you keep pushing yourself up to breathe and get that last gasp of air. So they whack right into the thigh, which breaks the femur bone right into two, biggest bone in your body. And he screams out. Got one more to go. Mm. Jesus, you said that place is called paradise. There goes the left, and all these femur cracks in two, both sinks down, coughs on his own fluids and dies. And in an instant... And Jesus is up there. Just think, what a great picture. Jesus, into my hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. <laughs> Jesus is gone. He says, it is finished. <laughs> and he shows up in heaven. Just picture it. <laughs> Thief right beside him. Wow! <laughs> you did remember me. And he hugs him and about lifts him off the ground. And Jesus says, I told you I'd remember you. I told every one of you I'll remember you. And just like Jesus will remember the thief, did remember the thief, he's going to come back one day and he'll say, Jesus, remember that time at Tapawingo on that hot July night? July the 4th? And I said, uh, I'm a sinner and I need you. And I said, I'm going to count on you to give me purity and forgive me of my sins. Give me the power to stand up and be a witness like I need to be. And you gave me peace that you said... I will come back one day and get you. On the day you come back, would you remember me? And you know what Jesus would say from heaven right now? He says, one day you'll be with me in paradise. I've seen someone like this. Not like a thief. I've just seen someone die. I'll close with this. This woman was in the hospital. She said she was dying. And she says, 
Would you say the 23rd Psalm for me? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. She had peace. She said, uh, let's just sing a song. And she would sing songs about heaven. And she would, there will be peace in the valley for me. How do you know so much about this? Because that woman was my mom. And I was holding her hand in the hospital, holding her hand like this, and she's about to die, had that in common with the thief, but she already had asked Jesus into her heart, and she had that peace, and she would look at me and just smile. And I would hold her hand, and I would say, and then my mom's eyes would go closed. Breathing would get a little shallow, much like this guy over here. Remember, he was hanging, and he was just... And Jesus might as well have just been sitting in the room for me. And I said, uh, Jesus, I don't want to let her go because she's my mom. And she means the world to me. Apart from me, this is the most godly person I've ever met, talked to, been influenced by, and loved. And Jesus, in a kind, understanding way, might as well just went down, put his hand on my shoulder and said, you're the only reason she's still there. You mean I'm holding her back? You mean when I let her go, you'll get her? But I don't want to let her go. You got to. Because didn't you want the best for her? Yep. I got to have the best for her. Edgar, I got heaven waiting on her. I guess you got a point. Heaven is pretty good. I'm up here. Makes it special, right? You're right, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to let her go, but you got to grab her on that side. Don't worry. It's almost like I'm going to pitch my mom to you. Would you catch her? And he said to me, same thing he said to that thief. What did he say to the thief? Today you'll be with me in what? Paradise. He might as well have told me, today your mom's going to be right here in heaven with me. You let her go. I wouldn't trust her with anybody else, but you I trust. One, mom's heart's chest is going up, and I go, two, okay, her chest went, stopped. I've seen it with my own eyes. Her chest went, and I could almost hear, I got her! Thanks. And my brother and sister were in the room, and I turned and I said, we are not a people that have no hope, because our hope is in Jesus. Well, I see my mom again one day. Now my mom is up there in heaven, much like a father, a brand-new dad at the hospital comes over. He puts his nose on the glass like this looking for his little boy. And a stranger could come by, and he'll grab the stranger. Look, there's my boy. And the stranger goes... And a nurse will come by and he grabs the nurse and goes, look, there's my boy. He'll be out here soon. And now my mom's nose is pressed against the glass of heaven. And Jesus walks by and she goes, come here. There's my boy. Hmm. There's my boy. Talking to campers at Camp Tapawingo. See him? And Jesus goes, yeah, you had a special one when you had him. And my mom goes, And what if my mom or your past 
friends in heaven now could look down and say, there's my son, there's my granddaughter. I want you in heaven with me one day, but mom, I don't... And grandpa's saying, you've got to ask Jesus, he's the only way. I'm waiting on you, so like that expectant, nose against the glass, watching you to make sure you get to heaven. It's now up to you. They can't save you from heaven. Mom or dad can't, grandpa can't, but Jesus can. Close your eyes. Dear Jesus, up in heaven right now, your Holy Spirit can do a work. I ask for the Holy Spirit to just roam this room. I ask for the Holy Spirit to tug at hearts. And I ask for the Holy Spirit to do a work. There's somebody that just can't quite get to faith. Say, God, I don't know. May you give them the faith to step out, step across the line and say, Jesus, I'm tired of waiting anymore. I used to feel unclean, but you've reminded me tonight that you will make me pure when I say, Jesus, would you forgive me my sins, cleanse me and come into my heart. Instantly, they're made pure in your eyes. Instantly, they get power from you because the Holy Spirit is our power. And instantly, they got peace that they'll never never know apart from you because you are peace, the Prince of Peace. I ask you now, Jesus, to work and let me be still. I ask you to work on hearts. I ask you to softly and tenderly call them home. While Jesus is speaking to your heart, I'll ask for someone to play a song for me. And as this song's played, at the end of the song, we'll be through. Is this an invitation? You bet. I'll be up here if you come up and say, you know what, I don't know about Jesus. Then you can before you leave. I'm going to ask you to be very quiet for those that are listening to Jesus because I want to hear his voice. I'll ask Uncle Paul to come up here. So if you come up and say, can I pray with you, Edgar? Sure. Can I'm going to ask you to pray with me, Uncle Paul, whatever. But the tenderness of Jesus is among us. The Holy Spirit is wooing you and touching your heart. Please don't ignore him. The Prince of Peace awaits you to find that peace that's his and can be yours. So just step out, step over a line, and come make sure you know him.